they they you know they call him uh, Brandon Miller from Antioch, Tennessee, wherever that is. Oh yeah, I heard that. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and one of them, you know, who comes from Nashville, I'm not going to mention her name, mm-hmm. but she grew up here, mm-hmm. and she's really good at what she does. I mean, she was the one of those that said it, and you, you make it feel like it's, you know, like in Carthage or something. No, <laughs> Antioch is essentially a, a community within Nashville, as a matter of fact. One of these days, I got to thinking about that. That got me thinking about how many, and I know we got Ryan, I guess we're efforting him, but he uh, he's, he's back. actually on the line, ready, All right, ready to but go. I want to do the, an exercise maybe for June. How many of the communities within our community can you name, like Antioch, Bordeaux, right. Right. Uh, Green Hills? I, I how many, and I, just off the top of my head, I came up with 20. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, anyway. Right. We'll, we'll table that, that for June. an for... exercise of, uh, of, of futility. That really <laughs> means nothing. Well, that's it's never an exercise in futility when we talk to Ryan Callahan from Go Vols 24-7. Ryan, good morning. Thanks for uh, being flexible with your schedule today. Hey, absolutely. I, I told Greg, he asked me if I could move it, and I said, hey, I was going to ask you to move it. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work, right? That's right. We're, we're finishing each other's sentences, you know. When you have chemistry, yeah. you got to go with it. Well, well, I mean, were you just blown away by National Signing Day? It's just amazing. <laughs> oh man, just uh, a lot to follow, really. No, that's uh, there've been some quiet National Signing Days in recent years. That's kind of been just a, uh, the recent trend over the last five years now, and uh, you know, since they added the early signing period. So we're used to that, but not really used to having one completely quiet where there's absolutely nothing to follow. Um, There's usually been at least one player that Tennessee has signed uh, in what's essentially the late signing period now. So this this was a little bit different. Uh, You still, I guess, had one thing to watch, which was, will Tennessee stay in the top 10? And they were able to do that in the the 24-7 sports composite rankings. They started the day at number eight and finished at number nine with only Oregon passing them. So that was pretty much the only thing to follow. Otherwise, it was just we're uh, looking back and, and relishing what Tennessee had already gotten really in December. Yeah, and you just look at the momentum this program has, genu- uh, uh, has you know, created uh, not only in Knox- Knoxville but throughout the state of Tennessee with the great season they had, the Orange Bowl win over Clemson, and now, like you said, a top-10 recruiting class. Uh, doesn't suck to be Josh Heupel right now in Knoxville, does it? For, for multiple and he reasons. just got the bag too week. right <laughs> yeah exactly got the money and uh and, and got the got the good season and the good recruiting class to back it up yeah it's uh it's you know certainly good vibes for Tennessee going into the off season uh you know of course the big the big question now immediately turns to can they build on and sustain what they've done um that's obviously going to be a big challenge with some really good players headed to the NFL draft and uh and no longer around but uh, but, yeah, this, this recruiting class gives them a better chance of, I, I think, sticking around for the long haul and, and, and sustaining what they accomplished this season. Obviously, it, it starts with Nico Iamaliava, the five-star quarterback, but they got some good pieces on defense that should help them upgrade that side of the ball, uh, continuing to build depth at wide receiver on the offensive line, at running back, uh, got, a, got a highly ranked tight end at Ethan Davis. So uh, a lot of pieces I think you'll see – uh, playing important roles for Tennessee over the next few years. So this, this recruiting class certainly should give them uh, a better chance of building on what they've already done. Have we seen the last of the early signing period where it is in December? Maybe not eliminating it completely, but, I mean, you know, you had just for the, the 
the allure of the signing day, the traditional signing day. I mean, what, only three top 100 prospects and most teams like Tennessee had already wrapped up, you know, what they were going to do. But coaches are pushing for the adjustment uh, to reduce that chaos, the overlap with the bowl games, the open transfer portal window. And I know the FCA, the American Football Coaches Association, are pushing it to the, what, maybe end of November, early December. That way it doesn't overlap with those two things, and I think that's where it's headed. Well, yes, it could be headed there, but it feels like more of a long-term thing. I don't know. We'll see if any momentum builds for that to happen in the short term. Right now it feels like it's still in the early stages, but I do think Greg Sankey saying something about it, I guess it was last month, that the early signing period needs to go or be changed significantly. Uh, that, that's at least a step in, in the direction to, to maybe getting something accomplished there. We'll, we'll see how long it takes uh, for, for something to be changed, but I, I do think that's where things eventually need to head. Maybe they want to let things sort out for another year or two, see kind of how you – know, there, there's really not been any stability in college football the last few years. That's, mm-hmm. that's the thing. There have been some, some seismic changes in the sport from NIL to the transfer portal to the one-time transfer exception. Uh, kind of clearing the way for players to go wherever they want, whenever they want. Um, that that all has happened in the span of a few years. You know, may, maybe there's something to be said for waiting another year or two, getting a better feel for what the long-term ramifications of all of that are, and then making a change or, or an adjustment to the calendar as they see fit. But I, I don't see a perfect solution to any of that. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see uh, late November, early December, I guess, would, would make some sense. Then you encroach on the end of the regular season. Are coaches going to want to – you know, push for the stretch run in recruiting uh, and, and look look to sign guys at the last minute as they're finishing up their regular seasons. You know, I, I don't know. There, there's really not a perfect time of year to do it now with how the calendar has evolved. It seemed like when I when I started in this business, there was a dead there was a dead stretch in the calendar where there really wasn't a whole lot for coaches to do on campus, and that's just gone. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't I don't know what happened to it, but it's been filled in by all these different things. And uh, so that now you look at the, the possibilities and. Every alternative seems to have some sort of problem with it. Uh, the only thing I can think of that, that really makes a lot of sense, and then some people tell me even this doesn't make sense, is going back to the old system of having it just in February. Uh, I'm not sure that any early signing period makes perfect sense, and, and any of them could lead to some additional problems that are just different problems, not necessarily a lot better than what they have now. I miss the old fax machine. Let's just all gather by the fax machine <laughs> and wait for, the, wait for them all to come in. The fax cams that everybody set up 15 years ago, those were fun. Yeah, and uh, Jim Rome follows us, and I remember back in the days in the late 90s where people had to fax their takes into them. We've come a long way since then. Ryan Callahan, our guest, at Ryan Callahan Callahan 247 on Twitter, uh, GoFalls247.com. Biggest takeaway from uh, Tuesday night's loss at Florida for the men's team, Ryan? Oh, man. I'd say for Tennessee fans, it's, um, this team is what we thought it was. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I think I think that's the you know, the, we we kind of had a discussion. Uh, Wes Rucker, our colleague at GoVols twenty four seven, kind of kind of maybe started the discussion a little bit a, a week or two ago of why isn't there more hype, more excitement around this team? You know, this is a at the time I think they were ranked number six. They've now climbed comfortably into the top five at number two right now. Um, so so there's been all this discussion of why haven't people been more excited about what this team is doing and what the, what they could accomplish. They're, you're looking at a possible number one seed, depending on how the rest of the regular season goes. 
And, and this game against Florida gave us kind of the reminder of why fans have been a little bit slow to embrace this team. I think they see a lot of similarities in last year's team uh, where when, when they, they're, they're really good defensively. They're, they're elite defensively, obviously. They've, they've held eight teams under 50 points this season. Uh, they, they've, had, they've had an impressive stretch over the past few months of, of just playing really good defense on a pretty consistent basis. This team's struggles aren't on that end of the court, though. If this team loses, it's probably going to be because they had an offensive performance like they did the other night against the Gators. And I, I think that's the kind of thing that happens frequently enough with this team that I think fans are already kind of envisioning this team's March exit. And I think they're, 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 a, little bit, uh, they're, they're a little bit tired, I guess, of the, the March performances under Rick Barnes. There haven't been too many, but there's, there's been just enough of that trend that I think they, they just already are, are kind of envisioning how this team's season is going to end and they see it looking a lot like that game earlier this week. So uh, it, it, this team is really good. They still could make a deep run, uh, but I think that that game was a reminder of their offensive shortcomings and the fact that when they're, when they're a little bit cold or off their game, they just don't have that go-to scorer, at least not on a consistent basis, who can make a big shot and bail them out and, and slow down a team's run or, or kind of turn the momentum in a game. But the best thing about it is is the defense, and when you get in NCAA tournament settings, it's almost the games are segmented because of the breaks and just the way things mm-hmm. are, and you don't have a lot of high-scoring games in the NCAA tournament compared to the regular season. So that's the good, and that you do have three or four good offensive weapons, especially the way Conway, is, or Conway has come out here in the last few weeks and I think opened up more offensively as well. But you're right, I think – Vol fans and, and Rick Barnes historians are just, they always go into the postseason, well, wh- where's the shoe going to fall, right? Where's it going to yeah, fall? Yeah. Yep. And, and we, we were just kind of comparing uh, uh, the other day some of the, the results for Rick Barnes in his first six years at Tennessee compared to Bruce Pearl in his six years at Tennessee. And obviously Pearl's years are remembered pretty fondly by a lot of Tennessee fans. And when you look at it, Rick Barnes has had better regular season success. Um, he's spent more weeks in the top five, more weeks in the top 25, more weeks at number one uh, than Bruce Pearl had during his time at Tennessee. But two big differences. Bruce Pearl had more Sweet 16 appearances, and he went to the Elite Eight one. Rick Barnes hasn't been to the Elite Eight at Tennessee, and he only has one Sweet 16 appearance. So those second-round losses uh, that, the, that we've already seen a few times that under Rick Barnes at Tennessee, it's, it's, uh, they've gotten uh, – fans at least a little bit frustrated with that you know it's they they understand that uh he's running a great program it's uh you know it's been a clean program they haven't had any off off court issues really um so so they they like a lot of the things they see uh, but the brand of basketball he plays is not as exciting as the brand they played under bruce pearl years ago obviously because it is such a defensive kind of grinded out system and then when it gets to postseason play, this team hasn't, this program hasn't been consistent enough. We'll see if this team's any different. You know, like you said, though, I, I still think that defense they play gives you a chance in March. You know, I think defense travels well. You know, they, they've got enough weapons that you could certainly see them playing, playing their best in March. If they, it's all about getting hot at the right time. I, I think if you're a Tennessee fan, you'd be more worried if this team had had already peaked. You don't want to peak too early in basketball. I think it's not such a bad thing that you're still having this team you know, have some bumps in the road along the way. It's okay to have that in the regular season. It's can they get Olivier Kamwa and Santiago Vescovi and Julian Phillips maybe most importantly. If all those guys can start scoring on a more consistent basis, 
and that gives them something to work on over the next couple months. But if that happens, this team could be pretty tough to beat come mid-March. Auburn coming in, obviously, tomorrow, Ryan. Um, you know, not probably as good as we've seen Bruce Pearl teams in recent years, but still a formidable foe uh, coming into Knoxville. Absolutely, and the, the the style of basketball they played, they're, they're a tough out anytime you, you, you face a Bruce Pearl team. Uh, I think this Tennessee team, it's a, it's a better setup this time. They, they have had some losses to Bruce Pearl to, uh, when he has come back to Knoxville. I, I believe won the last time uh, they were back, but, but ha- has had some success against Tennessee. But this setup a little better. You, you, you certainly think we're going to see a pretty hungry Tennessee team on, uh, on Saturday coming off a loss. And, uh, and, and obviously a home crowd that's going to be pretty fired up for that one always is uh, for, for Bruce Pearl being back in town. Uh, and, and just a good opponent. You know, we've talked about it before. Tennessee's not had a great home schedule, Kentucky being the one big home game. So I think fans are uh, excited to see a quality opponent come through Thompson Bowling Arena again. So uh, I think the setup definitely better for Tennessee going into this one. They'll, they'll definitely be eager to bounce back from what was one of their, certainly one of their worst performances of the season so far. But uh, Auburn's a tough enough team that even, on a, even with all that other stuff uh, taken into account, it's going to be a tough game for Tennessee. So they've got to be ready to play and certainly need to bring their offensive, uh, a better offensive performance than what we saw earlier this week. All right, Ryan, get your plugs in, man. How can people keep up with your outstanding work? Well, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, check out all the coverage at GoVols247.com. Uh, already getting into baseball coverage with that just around the corner. We'll be talking about that here in just a, a couple weeks with the season opener two wow. weeks away. Uh, Football, uh, spring football just around the corner. Uh, already looking ahead to what Tennessee's got on the roster. Recruiting never stops, of course, and basketball in full swing. So lots to keep track of at GoBalls247.com. Ryan, as always, we appreciate it. Have a great weekend. You guys, too. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate you, buddy.